Uh, Galatians, I think we've seen, is about, there, there are two kind of big themes in the book of Galatians. One is freedom. What does it look like to live as free people? How do, how do we become free? How do we live as free people? The other big theme of the book of Galatians is justification. Um, how can I be justified? How can I be right before God? How can I stand before God and hear him say, instead of guilty, how can I hear him say not guilty? Right? How can that happen in my life? Paul was dealing with a situation where certain teachers were coming in and saying, the way that you're made right with God is through faith in Jesus plus you do the works of the law. Faith in Jesus plus something else. All right? And so he had, to, he had to counteract this false teaching. He said, look, it's not faith in Jesus plus doing anything. It's simply faith in Jesus. Uh, you can't add anything to what Christ has done. It's not faith in Jesus plus your good works. It's simply relying on putting your faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing. That's the big message of Galatians. Uh, now, some of you may have seen, I think it was on two nights ago, um, there was a guy, the great Walinda or somebody like that. Uh, Emma called him the big Wally or something. But he was, he was walking, he was tight. Did anybody watch this? Okay, okay, we got a couple. Um, he was, he's a tightrope walker, and he walked, he's the first person to ever tightrope walk over Niagara Falls. All right, so he starts up the river, over the falls, and he basically goes from the U.S. to Canada. It was, it was pretty impressive, although I think I could do it. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Actually, he's, not, he's the first person to go over the falls, but over 100 years ago, there was a man named Blondin, who actually, he didn't tightrope over the falls, but he tightroped over the gorge below the falls, like in the 1860s. Uh, some of you may have heard Richard Thomas tell this story before. But he, he, he went across, he did it blindfolded, uh, he did it on stilts, uh, he did it pushing a wheelbarrow. Uh, one time he went to the middle and he brought some kind of oven contraption with him, and he made an omelet on the tightrope and lowered it to people in a boat who were watching him, and they ate the omelet while he sat there. Uh, he took a chair, he set it on the tightrope on one leg, and then he stood up on the chair. All right, so this guy knew, understood tightropes. Um, he, was, he was competent in what he was doing. Uh, it said even that, well, he actually did, one time he took his manager across on his back, across the tightrope. Uh, and it said that he used to ask the crowds, uh, do you believe I can walk across this without falling off? Yes, 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 we all believe that. Do you believe I can carry you across without falling off? Yes, 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 we all believe that. All right, well, get on and let's go. Who, who wants to go across on my back? <laughs> I don't know about that. That's a good picture of what we're talking about. You're, you're saved by faith, not by works. That's what faith in Jesus Christ is. It's not just faith that, yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Yes, I believe that he could save me if I trusted in him. Neither of those are saving faith. Faith is actually trusting him to carry you across. Uh, getting on his back, as it were. Trusting in the saving work of Jesus Christ for you. Uh, and when you do that, there's no more condemnation. Uh, there's no more guilt. You don't have to fear death. Uh, you don't have to live for other people's 
uh, approval, uh, any of that, that, that's all done away with. You're free from having to perform. You have forgiveness uh, and acceptability. And so Paul is very zealous to say, don't let anybody tell you that you need more than that, that you need more than faith in Jesus. Don't let them say it's faith in Jesus plus. It's simply faith in the work of Christ. But he's about to add something here. Uh, He's about to add this. He's going to say, you need to be very careful, though, to examine yourself because there's a part of you that's going to want to abuse this freedom that you're given in the gospel. Uh, There's a part of you that's going to want to say, well, I'm forgiven. He's carrying me across. I don't have to get across myself. Uh, so I can, I can do whatever I want to now. I don't, I don't need the law of God anymore. I can live uh, however I want to live. And the truth of the matter is, if you're consistently living in that way, if you're consistently saying, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a believer, but I can do whatever I want to do, uh, if your faith in Jesus Christ hasn't actually begun to change you, then it may be that you don't really know God at all, that you think you're free, but you're still in slavery. So that's what we're going to get at today. Galatians 5 is in your bulletin, starting at verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, this is, this is your word, and... Um, It's a very hopeful section in ways, but it's also a very appointed section in ways. Uh, And so I pray that you would help us give it the weight it deserves in our lives and and hear what it says to us and and actually hold up our lives against uh, the Scripture to see how well our lives match up to it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. um, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to define, excuse me, I'm going to define this word flesh. I'm going to get some more water first. I'm going to define this word flesh, uh, and then we're going to ramble about it some. So, um, outline people, sorry. Um, 
but, but what is it when Paul talks about the flesh? Do not use the freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, verse 13. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word here is sarx, S-A-R-X. And in, if you're using the New International Version, instead of translating it flesh, it translates it sinful nature. Right? The sarx, the flesh, the sinful nature. It's talking about that part of us that wants to do what it wants to do. That part of us that wants to sin. That part of us that wants to rebel against God. That, that, that doesn't want God ruling over us. That says, I'm, I want to do my thing and I don't need anybody from the outside <clears throat> telling me what I need to do. That's, that's your flesh. That's your sinful nature. Okay, Not physical flesh, but spiritual uh, flesh. Your, your sinful nature. Your sarks. Tim Keller says another way to think about this idea of, of flesh is to think sinful motivational system. Uh, sinful motivational system. Now, notice verse 16 again. <clears throat> I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what's the contrast there? Spirit on one hand and flesh on the other hand. Spirit, sinful nature. Right? That's verse 16. Now look at verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now what's he contrast there? Spirit and being under the law. It's, it's kind of a couple, two, two very interesting contrasts. You perhaps wouldn't think he would do this. He's got uh, Spirit opposed to flesh, and he's also got Spirit opposed to law. He's got law and flesh on the same side of the, uh, the bad side of the column. Uh, again, the sinful nature is that part of us that wants to be God, that wants to play God, that wants to be our own Savior, that wants to be our own Lord. And that sinful nature, when it's operating under the law, doesn't want the salvation that Jesus offers. Uh, it says, I don't need help, I don't need Jesus I can do the law, whether that's the law of God or just the law I've decided to live by that's going to make my life okay. I can do that. I can, I can perform. I can handle life. I can escape mediocrity on my own. I can, I can pull myself up out of the, kind of the, the muck and mire of this life on my own. I don't need Jesus for that. I can find satisfaction on my own. I can decide what to do on my own. I don't need anybody from the outside telling me what to do. That's our flesh. That's, that's my sinful heart that says, I don't need a Savior and Lord. I can be my own Savior and Lord. I, I got this on my own. I can take care of, of life in my way. And so your, your sinful nature then, or your flesh, is at the root of all the other sinful actions in our lives. All the things that we do wrong flow out of our sinful nature. Uh, You're not a sinner simply because you commit sins. You commit sins because that's who you are by nature. Uh, You're a rebel. You're one who would not have God rule over you. That's, That's what my heart is like. That's what your heart is like naturally. Uh, as, as the great philosopher doctor uh, Gregory House uh, has said, uh, I don't ask why patients lie, I just assume they all do. 
That's what we do. It's a basic truth of the human condition that everybody lies. The only variable is about what? He, he doesn't have much understanding of grace, but he understands our hearts very well. That, that we sin because we're sinners. We lie because we're liars. That's, that's who we are. Well, if that's who we are naturally, here's a little bit of structure of this. If that's who we are naturally, well, then what happens when somebody becomes a Christian? Right? What happens to this sinful nature, this flesh that we're carrying around with us? It just, it just goes away and everything's light and goodness, right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. On the one hand, Paul says in verse 24 that those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But on the other hand, he says in verse 17, look at 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. On the one hand, you've crucified the flesh. You've nailed it to the cross. On the other hand, it's still there. You're still carrying it around with you. Um, it doesn't dominate you the way it once did. It doesn't rule your life the way it once did. But it's still there. It hasn't gone away. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, Paul would say um, that believers still by the Spirit need to put to death the deeds of the body. So on the one hand, it's crucified. On the other hand, it's still around to some degree and still has to be battled against in our lives. Uh, John Stott tried to explain the tension this way and, and, and see if this is helpful to you. When we came to Jesus Christ, we repented. We crucified everything we knew to be wrong. We took our old self-centered nature with all its sinful passions and desires and nailed it to the cross. And this repentance of ours was decisive, as decisive as crucifixion. So Paul says, if we crucified the flesh, we must leave it there to die. Uh, then he goes on to say, if besetting sins persistently plague us, it is either because we never truly repented, or because having repented, we have not maintained our repentance. It is as if, having nailed our old nature to the cross, we keep wistfully returning to the scene of the execution. We began to caress it. This is kind of a gruesome image. We began to caress it, long for its release, even try to take it down from the cross. We need to learn to leave it there. When some jealous or proud or malicious or impure thought invades our mind, we must kick it out at once. It's a, it is fatal to examine it and consider whether we are going to give in to it or not. We have declared war on it, and we're not going to resume negotiations. Stop saying you crucified, but then you kind of want to pull it down. You kind of want to go back to the flesh and breathe new life into it at times. Uh, another way to think about it is the flesh has been defeated uh, and the victory is certain, but it's still hanging around. It's still lingering. It's inside of us, and so we can't escape it. We can't, like... Take a day off from it. Uh, it's hidden to us many times. It never rests. Even on our best days, it's right there with us. It's our constant companion. Uh, it, it, it lies to us. It tells us 
look, um, if you will just disobey God, you'll, you'll get the good life. If you'll just, just this one little thing, things will be better for you. You'll find pleasure there. Everything will be okay. Nobody will care. There won't be any consequences. It tells you your life will be miserable if you do the right thing. Well, if you do the right thing, if you obey God here, you're never going to get ahead in life. People are going to think you're weird. You're not going to fit in. They'll make fun of you. You're never going to make any money. Just always being a Boy Scout, doing the right thing. Uh, you know, don't, don't do that. See, the, the flesh is tricky. The flesh deceives you. The flesh leads you astray. I, I always, when I, when I think about these passages like this, I, I flash back to uh, the Matrix, of a very old movie now. Um, but there's this one scene where, where Neo is first going into the Matrix, and it's this computer-generated reality um, and this is like a, a simulation of this reality that, that he's about to go into. And he's walking in it, kind of getting his feel for the lay of the land. And this beautiful woman walks by. And Neo turns his head to follow her going by. And Morpheus says, you need to look again. And so he turns back to look at her again. And it's one of the bad guy agents with a gun uh, pointed at Neo's head. See, it was deception. It wasn't real. It was computer generated, disguising who that person really was. And the person who it really was was getting ready to blow his brains out. That's what the flesh does to us. It says, this will be good, this will be great, just, just, just indulge yourself. And before you know it, you're hooked, you're caught, you're filleted uh, like a fish. Uh, the flesh is, is tricky and, and deceptive. Uh, and so, one of the things we've got to see in this this morning is that this sinful nature is something we still deal with, we still carry around with us as a believer. And what that's going to do is that's going to create conflict in your life. You know, some people think, well, I'm a Christian now, I don't have to worry about battling against sin anymore. You know, I'm, I, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be smooth, it'll be easy to do the right thing. But the reality is, is that now there's actually a conflict there that you weren't even aware of before, that wasn't even there before. Uh, there's a conflict there because before you were simply dominated by the flesh. But now you do have the flesh, but you also have the spirit dwelling within you. And so the flesh is yearning for one thing and the spirit is yearning for another thing. And that creates conflict within you, a war going on inside of you. Uh, the flesh and spirit are opposed to each other. Now notice again verse 17 how, how Paul says this. For the, desires, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Right, this, is, this is a believer experiencing this. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. Uh, the Greek word here that's translated desires, the older translations used to translate it lust. Uh, but when we think of the word lust, we generally use it in a sexual connotation. And so the translations have said, well, let's use the word desire. And they, they actually toned it down too much. It, it probably should better be translated over desires. An out-of-control desire. 
something that you don't control, but something that actually controls you. Um, and, and here's the thing. Here's why that word helps us. Our main problem is not really our bad desires, our desires for bad things. The main problem that we have is that we want good things too much. You want good things too much. I want good things too much. So much so that these good things become the main thing. So much so that these good things that we desire, we begin to have an over-desire for them. We want them too much. They become an idol. They become the thing that we have to have if life is actually going to matter. If I'm going to be happy, I have to have this. And it becomes, it really begins to function as a savior and Lord in our lives. I've got to get this, and this is going to give me, when I get this, it's going to give me what I've always wanted, what I've always been looking for. I'll, I'll be content, I'll be satisfied when I have this. And so we start to serve it. Uh, our family watched, earlier this week, we watched Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, or the Crystal Cathedral, so the Crystal something, um, it's, it was the last Indiana Jones, nobody knows what it is, do you? It was the last Indiana Jones movie, he's made in 2008, it's the one that he probably shouldn't have made, but it was actually okay, they, they, they're on this quest to recover this crystal alien skull, alright, um, and I'm not going to fill in the details, you have to just, just get the general idea, they've got to find this crystal alien skull, it's hidden in the Aztec temple in South Alabama or something, in South, South America somewhere. And they're on this quest to get this hidden skull that has these great powers. And so there's, the, it's in the 50s, and so the KGB is after. It's in the Cold War, and there's, the Russians are coming to get it, and there's the evil woman Russian general who, you know, she, she, she's killing everybody. She's still, she lies, she's ruthless. Whatever she's got to do, she's going to do to get this crystal skull. Now, <clears throat> why did she want the crystal skull so badly? Well, she thought if she had it, it would bring her knowledge. She was obsessed with knowledge. And why was she so obsessed with knowledge, with knowing everything? Because she thought if she had knowledge, she was going to have power. All right, and so here's her over-desire. She's got this over-desire for knowledge, this over-desire for power, so she goes on a quest, she murders, she steals, she destroys. Now, are all those actions wrong? Yeah, they're all wrong actions, but, but what really caused them? It was an over-desire for something that was actually good, if you look at it in the right way. There's nothing wrong with knowledge, uh, but she said, I've got to have this. And so it became an over-desire, which led to all of this sinful fruit in her life. Her over-desire for a good thing produced wrong actions, all right? And it led her on this, this quest. So, so here's my question for you. Uh, what quest are you on? What's your crystal skull? Um, what is it that you've said, I've, I've got to have this. And when I have this... I'll have meaning in my life. Every, everything's going to be okay. What do you have to have? And then what fruit is that producing in your life? I mean, you really can. <clears throat> I think you can go back and look at the, the fruit 
And you ought to be able to trace that back to an over-desire. What, what's, what's leading to this fruit in my life? And, and these over-desires will produce fruit. Listen, listen to verse uh, 15 again. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And then verse 19 now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me read this to you um, from, from the message. Um, I always hate when John writes, not here when I'm reading from the message. This is how Eugene Peterson puts it. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion compulsions of selfishness for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit just as a free i went the wrong way your ipad your your iphone let me down uh hang on why don't you choose to be led no keep going Trinket gods, magic share religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warmed you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Right? That, that cuts a little closer to home. Those sound a little more real. Those are things we actually, they sound like things we actually struggle with. See, the, the fruit in our life shows what quest we're on. The fruit in our life shows what our heart's or really like, and, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this next week. Um, but when we deal with sin, we, we tend to just deal with the, the fruit, with the externals. I lie, I need to quit lying. I, I get angry about things I shouldn't get angry about, so I need to quit getting angry. I need to stop losing my temper. Okay, okay that's fine, but why are you losing your temper? Why are you lying? What do you want so badly that you're not getting? What are you on a quest for? What Savior and Lord are you following? See, when, when you become a Christian, all these over-desires, all these passions of the flesh, this, this old motivational structure, it, it doesn't just go away magically. The reality is it's, it's still there. It's still there. And you need to understand that as a believer. You need to understand that if you're actually going to do battle against it, you need to understand what it's like. Uh, secondly, though, knowing if you know this, you won't be freaked out when you still struggle with sin. 
Because right, I think sometimes when people first come to know Christ and then they see sin pop back up in their life, like, oh, goodness, what, what happened there? Well, you still got the flesh. You still have the flesh. So don't, don't, be, don't be surprised. Don't be startled if you still struggle with sin. In fact, the, the struggle might become more real to you. But you shouldn't be comfortable with sin. You shouldn't be able to, to cozy up with sin for long periods of time and feel okay about that. Why? Because not only do you have the flesh, you've also been given the Spirit. Uh, verse 17 says, the Spirit has desires too. And the desires of the Spirit are different from the desires of the flesh. The, the flesh lusts out after all sorts of things. It looks to all sorts of things, wants you to look to all sorts of things as your Savior and Lord, but Jesus says uh, in the book of John, the Spirit will come to glorify me. If you're a believer, the Spirit in you yearns for Jesus. It yearns to glorify Jesus. It learns to find for you to find rest in Spirit in Jesus. It yearns to conform you to the very image of Jesus. And if you're led by the Spirit, and if you walk by the Spirit, and again, we're going to look at this next week, but if you do these things, instead of producing the works of the flesh, you'll begin to more and more see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. Uh, we'll talk about that more next week, but, but that ought to actually give you hope as a believer, that in spite of the fact that you're carrying around this mass of sinful desires with you, Real change actually is possible in your life. So, uh, we've said all this to say, you've got to know your enemy. Um, don't be surprised if you still struggle with sin. Uh, but be worried, be warned, be concerned if you find yourself getting comfortable with sin. And be very concerned, be very freaked out if these works of the flesh actually characterize your life. Because if they do, Paul says, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. No matter what you say you believe theologically, if this is what characterizes you, you're not converted, you're not, you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You can define justification all you want. But it's not true of you. Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let me, let me encourage you um, to do some self-examination. Verse 17 again. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But, but what do you most deeply want to do? Um, is what you want most deeply to follow God, to follow the Spirit, and you find that thwarted at times by these desires of the flesh that pop up in your life and lead you away? Or be honest with yourself, is what you want most deeply in life something else? And you've simply covered that with a veneer of religion 
and spirituality. Or let me ask it another way. Uh, If somebody followed you around, all right, and filmed your life, and this is entirely possible now, somebody followed you around and filmed your entire life, uh, not the life that you show everybody on Sunday morning, but if they followed you around all week and filmed your entire life, and then... And they don't know who you are. They, they've, just, they've just filmed it. You're an anonymous person to them. And then they were asked to label it. And they were given two things to choose from. Works of the flesh or free of the spirit. And they were given these lists. What label would they put on your life? If they could see your heart, what label would they put on your heart? Are you using the, the freedom God has given you in Christ to love God and to love your neighbor? Are you just using the label of freedom to cover up your continued worship and service of you? Don't hide behind theological labels. Don't hide behind freedom. Uh, run to Jesus Christ. Repent. Put your faith in him, not in anything else. And he will give you uh, the Spirit. He will lead you and produce the fruits of the Spirit in your heart and your life. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this text. um, A text that's a little bit jarring to us after we've uh, been talking about the gospel for so many weeks and how we add nothing to what Jesus has done. And and that's still true even as we read this. Uh, But this text shows us that true faith in Jesus really does change us, that it begins to produce uh, a good harvest in our lives. Uh, And and so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you give us eyes to see ourselves, not as we want to see us, uh, but as we really are. Uh, And, Father, cause that vision of ourselves as we see ourselves would you would you use that to to make us run to you to run to christ uh, for forgiveness we pray it in his name amen